0: You a time machine out of a is Show. That's hot. Hello there, children. Hey, hey, kids. people seem to like me because i am polite and i'm rarely late and now the host of the stupid cancer show matthew zachary monday april 19th 2010 and welcome
1: back to the stupid cancer show the voice of young adults with cancer got cancer under 40 sucks huh Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, Sarcoma. In our Survivor Spotlight, Jason Malott, young adult survivor of undifferentiated soft tissue sarcoma, Matthew Alsante, Executive Director of the Sarcoma Foundation of America, and Dr. C. Parker Gibbs, Associate Professor of Orthopedic Oncology at the University of Florida College of Medicine. As a reminder, this broadcast is a program of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, one of the nation's leading grassroots advocates for the nearly 5 million young adult survivors and co-survivors affected by, you guessed it, stupid cancer. On the web at I2Y.com, we are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight and sticking it to a system that's ignored us for far too long. Why? Because survival rates and quality of life in young adults have not improved in 30 years and because remission is no excuse for cure. Also, survivorship is all that really matters. So hello my friends and welcome to yet another fun-filled and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's broadcast of the Stupid Cancer Show. And a stupid cancer welcome to any and all of our first-time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network, broadcasting live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. I am your host, Matthew Zachary, a 14-year young adult pediatric brain cancer survivor. Of course, please welcome my official partner in crime here on the Stupid Cancer Show, hailing right here from New York City, now a 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, acclaimed journalist, former Deputy Editor of TV Guide and former Entertainment News Correspondent for the Fox News Channel, the lovely and talented, Cancertastic Lisa Bernhardt.
0: Good applause. I was challenged to say that to you tonight.
2: Congratulations on your cancerversary. Yeah, cancerversary
0: Thank you very, very much. It's a good thing. It's a good day. It's
1: amazing. Good stuff. Yep,
0: yep. Happy, so, happy, happy day.
1: Yes, indeed, indeed. All right, let's cut off the tears for first. I upgraded my computer to this. Um You're a static, Jack?
0: I hear a lot of Very, like that. very
1: minimal, but I, I do I think hear. that's on your end. I think there's some microphone stuff going on over there. Do not take my microphone away from me. Hey, if anyone in the chair hears some static, let us know. We're not it sure what, what the deal is.
0: It is yet again another ploy of ours to get Jack's microphone away from him.
1: Yeah, Jack, unplug it's everything over there for a second, the headphones, and see if it goes away. We're, uh,
0: Jack, unplug everything.
1: Yeah, leave leave the room.
0: Yeah, okay. And then we'll back away from the computer. No, I I, 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 I could be home there. watching
1: Dancing with the Stars right now. I don't yeah. need you people. <laughs> I think it's still there. Anyway, we'll we'll just deal with it, I suppose. But in any case, folks, uh, we it's are here. A... radiation coming from your brain? It <laughs> is possible. <laughs> Um, I don't know, Christy. Let me know if you can hear the the static. Maybe we can reboot the show or something. But in any case,
0: Christy's our fine producer.
1: Yeah, Christy. Give us Marie, something to do. Christy Marie, sweet. What a last name. Christy Marie, Marie, sweet. Fantastic. All right. The chat room says they cannot hear any static. So I guess it's Jack's fault. Okay. Fantastic. Someday we'll
0: be able to afford to hire a high price. By electromagnetism,
1: technician. right? Exactly, exactly. So, anyway, joining, um, obviously, joining Lisa and I, Jack Bufard. Hello, Jack. Oh, I I can talk now, right? You didn't get your official introduction tonight, but Jack is our chief cancer anarchist who will be monitoring our live concurrent interactive chat room tonight. So, if you have any questions for our guests, please let them know about it. And joining us live in studio tonight, as always, our fabulous broadcast production assistant, Amanda Freeman. Hello, Amanda. Wait, hold on a second. Didn't you, like, die over the weekend or something? No, it's terrible.
0: No, I had surgery.
1: Oh, I knew it was one of the two. (laughs) Well, she had surgery. I went to go visit her with uh, with Kenny, and she looked fantastic. If you go to my Facebook wall, there's a great shot that we took of her in her room. She's a real trooper, and um, she's in a great state. She's doing fantastic, so congratulations.
0: Let me tell you something. This kid, Amanda, is amazing. How much do we love her?
1: I love her so much, I could burst.
0: <laughs> you, uh, okay, Jack, you, uh, no, I mean, this kid can play the bassoon. I have to actually look up uh, a picture today to see what the bassoon looked like to remind myself of what actually uh, a bassoon looked like. That's how stupid I am, um, appropriately enough for the show. And, uh, and she's pre-med, and she's just all around kick-ass, and she's fierce. She puts me to shame, I know that. And, uh, Hello.
1: Yeah, we're here. We're here. No, we're, we. I think we actually show? we actually found out that the problem is Jack.
0: Oh, well, no surprise there. Let's try this again. Are we?
1: How could the problem be me? It's your, Are we doing something, a radio in, something in the microphone splitters.
0: I tried to say something, but they cut my mic.
1: Yeah, we're gonna. Um, sorry, so all the people listening splitters. to this quality broadcast tonight. <laughs> But I think we're the only ones that can hear it. it no, is- no, no, no. Aaron's in the in the chat room. He said he can hear it. That's his hearing aid. <laughs>
0: you know, it's funny because we were so excited that we got up to about sixty thousand listeners, and now I think we've dropped back down to thirty thousand in I one. I we broadcast. yeah we lost
1: uh, all these people that show. Was this great show? Oh my god! What the hell? They got kangaroos and monkeys and gerbils running this thing. Anyway, it's a little lower now, yeah. so hopefully it'll work. It's cool. so definitely I, yeah. something in the... So I can stay? You can stay. All right, great. Right. It's the, definitely the, something in the splitters.
0: The, the, right, exactly. The dribble on the wheel that runs this thing got, yeah. finally got tired. Yeah,
1: they can hear it now in the chat room. All right, well, sorry, folks. We're going to have to figure this out. We. Uh, next time, we, we promise you a higher-quality show next time, and that will be without Jack. Go to give.i2y.com and buy us some new equipment. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank right, you. Exactly. So
0: please, donations welcome.
1: So, Lisa, 15 years, huh?
0: Fifteen years, 1995, did that math right, yeah, Uh, sitting in the uh, recovery room at Mount Sinai Hospital in a wheelchair, uh, having had a surgical biopsy, waiting for my surgeon to come in and uh, give us the news, uh, yay or nay, and you know, the standard thing, we've talked about this, many people have similar stories, where I went in and uh, one of the uh, residents there said, oh, you're having some pain cancer never means pain you're going to be fine oh you have this symptom you're going to be fine and you know had the surgical biopsy my head was kind of tented with the blue cloth so I couldn't see what was going on chit chatted you know small talk with the surgeon as he was uh, doing his thing and then went in recovery my parents were there and uh, hanging out and just kind of that moment you know that kind of surreal moment where you're sitting there uh, thinking boy this is going to swing wildly one of two ways (laughs) This yep. is, you know this is uh... there's no there's no in between here <laughs> there's no sort of middle ground this is either going to be great or this is really not going to be so uh... great in terms of what i'm looking to hear but um... you know so you uh... and i remember very distinctly the surgeon saying to me um... coming in and kind of walking in and i was really studying and again a story that we all know sort of very well really studying the guy's face to kind of see what expression he had following, his staring at his mouth, his lips, and he said the word, well, you have a tumor. And he didn't actually say cancer. He didn't use that word. He just said, you have a tumor. And I paused for a second, and I remember thinking, well, he didn't say benign, so that must mean uh, not benign. Right, right, right. uh, (laughs) Not benign. (laughs) So I said, so then I finally looked up at him, and I said, you mean cancer. And he said, Yes, I do. Um, and then from there he just said, you know, uh, we just did the frozen section but I assume he said I'm but I'm confident that when we do the full biopsy it will come back the same way and you can wait for that or you can move ahead and start doing all your body scans as of tomorrow and I just said, Put me in tomorrow, you know? <laughs> um anyway and uh and off and, and off from there. So, uh to surgery and chemo and all the chemotastic things, if you like to say. So uh, here we are. So, uh, and and I'm just I'm so happy actually to have you guys to talk to on a day like this. I'm so uh, I'm just I'm just thrilled. I mean, you know, we 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 didn't have this around when we were going through this. Um, you and I, Matt, and uh, so it's a cool thing just to be with you guys talking tonight.
1: Well, you get extra props tonight. You get this applause tonight. <laughs>
0: Wow, that's I uh... I haven't heard that one before, Matt. That must that must sound like I just like sang an aria at the Met or something.
2: <laughs> so, so we're talking 15 years, right? 1995. Yeah. So you've been on the cancer scene as long as Um has been on the music
0: scene. <laughs> <laughs> Hanson and I, you know, we've we've grown up together.
1: Fantastic. Nice. <laughs> Well, we want to stick to our uh, our new uh, our new guest slot schedules and bring on our Survivor Spotlight tonight. So let's uh, let's get that happening here. What do I button here? Oh, my buttons moved around too. That sounds dirty, but you know what I mean. Here we go, folks. What time is it? All right, oh, 911. Nope, no,
0: 911. All right, in our
1: Survivor Spotlight tonight, Jason Malott is a seven-year Survivor. Of undifferentiated soft tissue pelvic sarcoma. He resides in Gainesville, Florida, where he studies geography. At the University of Florida, when he's not doing that, he plans events for I2I and advocates for young adult cancer patients at local medical centers and throughout the university campus. He's also an Uber Google Maps nerd. And we love him and he's fantastic. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Jason Malat.. Hi, Beefy. Hey, Beefy, how you doing?
3: Oh, great. I see Erica got to everybody, huh?
1: Yeah, Erica got you. you. She uh, she owes you big time now. And she also wanted
2: me to tell the audience that you are indeed my punk rock princess. Oh, my goodness.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah you all are super uh, tight
0: with Jason. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jason.
3: Oh, no, the, the, the punk rock princess, yeah, that's another tale from when Jack and I had an adventure on the cancer advocacy field, I guess you would say.
0: Now, when did you all first? Now, Jason's doing some I2I work down there in Florida. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, I'm
3: working uh, with Erica. We work out of Gainesville, Florida, around the University of Florida, and we kind of cover North Florida too.
0: And Matt, you want to fill the folks in on? Erica is our
1: Uh, Jason. What title did we give Erica? Because Jason's title is Chief Ninja Officer.
0: (laughs) You know,
3: I'm not really sure. You have to ask her that. I don't really know. Uh, she doesn't have a ninja title, I know that. I mean that's uh oh there can only be one ninja, just like there can only be one chief cancer anarchist.
1: Oh, so is she isn't she chief ninjette then?
3: Yeah, I, mean, I believe that might be correct, yes, from the heady days of the cause world voting, yes.
2: Wait, isn't your other nickname Mr. Erica Reyes?
3: <laughs>
0: uh no comment. <laughs> this is a little see so you guys got a little you guys got a little inside business going on. See, I'm new to Jason.
1: Jason yeah. has given me hope for the future that that there is possible intelligence for the next generation and we're not all, you know, the people that watch the movie uh The Hangover.
0: That that is a very reassuring I had See, trouble the following, following that movie. They, in the <laughs> tribe, they already know who they were already asking as I am, who is Erica? We want to know more about Jason and his background and Erica and uh, fill us in.
3: Well, um Erica is my girlfriend of quite a while now, and she is also a cancer survivor, and she works very closely with uh, with me. We're really more of a team. We don't, neither one of us really has a lead role, but we both work on advocacy work here in the community, and um, I guess my background is that I am a seven, yeah, seven-year survivor of sarcoma, which is why I'm on the sarcoma show tonight, <laughs> and uh, pretty strange sarcoma, but I've made it
0: seven years against all odds, and here I am. And how would you, what do you, what do you mean by pretty strange sarcoma? Describe that to us.
3: Well, I have um, what's known as the undifferentiated soft tissue sarcoma, which is a very long way of saying I have a sarcoma and they can't identify it. It's just a big, uh, giant tumor. It's not as giant as it used to be. They they killed it pretty, uh, they killed it pretty severely with uh, lots of chemo and radiation. But um, that's basically what that means.
0: So where so so in general for people who are maybe listening for the first time a sarcoma just as a broad definition is a cancer that's in a connecting tissue correct or in a bone um, yeah sort of not that's in
4: an, not that's an a good organ, way to describe say. it
0: right and so where exactly on your body was your tumor well
3: and i'm sure jack will chime in here but um it was, was on, on his ass <laughs>
1: Oh, no, thank you for that
3: Mine was in my uh, upper right buttock, but primarily in the sacral area, um, which is you know, the end of your your tailbone, basically. Mine was on the right side there, and it, it was a huge tumor, so it extended up uh, into my lumbar spine a little bit, into the interior of my pelvis, and also down, uh, really all the way through my hip socket. So it was a very large tumor, and it had gotten really large and did a lot of damage before it was diagnosed. And that's where basically mine was. Mine's a little different because it was a soft tissue sarcoma. It's not in bone. It's, it's pretty much in muscle. It did damage some bone, but it never invaded it.
0: Wow. So did you uh, did this thing kind of grow really quickly, um, or was it something that was small and misdiagnosed over time?
3: Uh, it was kind of a combination of both, really. I started in December of '01. Um, well, late 2001, I, I was before I was diagnosed, I was in the Air Force RTC in Lake Worth, Florida, and I was doing flight training and I was hoping to graduate high school. I was a junior at the time and go on to uh, a military career as a pilot. And I started noticing why I'd do my flying lessons, I would get a lot of back pain. And after a couple of weeks, you know I started having trouble staying in class. And in December of01, I started seeing doctors. And by March, it had gotten not a, it had gotten worse, not like debilitatingly worse, but it had gotten worse, and I was having so much trouble going to school that I had to withdraw from school. And then real fast after that, towards the end of April into May, I've, it very quickly got worse. I lost the ability to walk completely um, ultimately leading me to be hospitalized. Wow, and uh, so during that time, I saw many doctors. I saw six doctors um, of all specialties. And um, it was not until I was diagnosed and transported by ambulance all the way up the state to Gainesville that I was diagnosed.
0: So was this tumor something that you, you just you couldn't see this to the naked eye? I mean, were, or were they taking MRIs or not, or not taking MRIs at this point?
3: Um, well, I had several MRIs, and the problem with MRIs is none of the doctors I saw ever really ordered one that looked at the right spot. They kept looking at my lumbar spine, and the problem was much lower. I had MRIs, bone scans, all kinds of other tests, and it just, they kind of just weren't looking in the right spot, and it got really huge, and by the time I was diagnosed, the last month, two months before I was diagnosed, there was actually a bulge about the size of, like, an egg uh, sticking out of my lower back that you know was visible to the naked eye and the doctor did look at it and tell me that it appeared to be a muscle spasm which um oh. it was later told to me that it was a muscle spasm but it, mostly it was a tumor causing the muscle around it to spasm but there wasn't much muscle left because the tumor had kind of destroyed it
0: wow so um now you didn't. Did you have surgery to remove it, or no? You just had the radiation and, and um, chemo. You said
3: it was a big process. I wound up going in and I, I had a biopsy done, um, and they just to let you know how big the tumor was. The biopsy was the size of a golf ball, so wow. that actually relieved a lot of my pain because it relieved the pressure that had built up in the pelvic area. Yeah. And after that, they went with some real intense chemo. I had seven courses of that. Um, six weeks of radiation, twice a day, and then I had an autologous bone marrow transplant, which is the one where they harvested my own stem cells and then, uh, you know, restarted my immune system with that. And then after that, I had a surgery planned, but after talking to my doctors, there was a lot of contention about it. Um, but my doctors didn't think I should have the surgery because they felt like they had killed the tumor pretty well it wasn't going to come back and the surgery required to remove it would have removed a lot of sacral nerve roots and caused just tremendous damage to my lower nerves and leg so i wound up not having surgery in the end and i've carried a residual mass with me that's continued to get smaller uh to this day actually so
0: wow and so uh and also again, it just seems it just seems wild like on there were no x-rays that caught this either you're saying,
3: right well, there was one x-ray done, um, mm-hmm. and you know I, I know Matthew always talks about his robottuscin for brain cancer right uh, good I, stuff. I have the lower good i have stuff. the lower well, I have the lower body equivalent of that they took an x-ray told me I was constipated, and told me to take fibrocon, <laughs> so I guess it, you know if you're going to have robotucin for brain cancer, Fibercon for you know sure. pelvic cancer sounds good absolutely.
0: So. Yeah. And we have a question from the chat room actually that um, is asking, uh, and maybe maybe this goes to one of our doctors um, coming up later, but whether I I don't know if you had a gene, was there any gene connection to what um, you have or no, or do you not know? I don't know
3: a lot about
0: it. My
3: doctors have said that it's something I could have been carrying all of my life, and it was just triggered. Um, You know, when I hit my teenage years, you know, hormone shifts in the body uh, could cause it to start growing. And they don't really know. There's not a lot known, especially about my sarcoma. But you'll find, and uh, the doctors could probably answer this a little better than me, um, but I I know that in my experience a lot of the patients with sarcomas I meet are guys or girls maybe 15 to 25-ish. So I was in the right age range, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does seem to be something that it affects adolescents and I guess up to about twenty five years old as you say. So you were exactly it sounds like you were in your what, your late teens? I was seventeen
3: when I, Well, I was sixteen when I started having symptoms and seventeen when I was diagnosed. Sure.
1: So yeah. Okay. So so the new robot test for brain cancer is fibrocon for as coma.
3: <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. There you go.
1: Fantastic. And, and you
3: know, since I, I'm I'm gonna push my doctors now to name my tumor Buffard sarcoma, since oh. uh, because of its location, of course. That
2: is fantastic. I think <laughs> anal cancer already has that that cornered. <laughs> but Jason, I have a question for you. Did your sarcoma have any impact on your singing at Madison Square Garden?
3: What? Uh, no, it did not. I, unfortunately, it did not. <laughs> uh, I, I wish I could blame blame <laughs> it on the cancer, but I don't think I can. It was just uh, so
2: that was all I'm natural not... ability.
3: Oh, yes, that was my natural ability.
0: Anyone who's ever heard of knows. <laughs> is, is Jason a karaoke Did I miss something? Is Jason a member of Hanson? When was he singing at Madison Square Garden? Uh, Erica
3: and I got called on court during the Big East tournament last year. Um, as part of a contest, we had to sing the free credit report song, and it went horribly wrong. <laughs> and uh, We were booed by 10,000 people, but I, I tell... <laughs> I tell everyone I know there's a lot of artists that would kill to get booed off stage at the Garden. So wait, so Absolutely. you were booed
2: by ten thousand people, and the other ten thousand were fast asleep?
3: Uh, well, <laughs> I think that was all that was there. I mean, it was like St. John's and Georgetown wasn't a big game. If we if it had been Syracuse, we would've been in trouble because you know there would've been a lot more people there.
2: Yeah, it's not like seeing Maryland play, right?
3: Uh, I I have no idea.
0: <laughs> I think you, I think you define get busy, get busy living by having been booed on Court Garden. Okay. E- Erica
3: would disagree, but, uh, yeah, I, I, that's it's something I tell everyone about. Oh, that's, sure say.
0: that's a badge of honor.
3: Yeah, it definitely is, especially yeah. for me. I'm a big classic rock fan, and to, see, to say I have now sang in the same place as some of my rock idols, it's amazing.
0: That's awesome.
1: Well, well we have to wrap. These things go very quickly, but uh, you, you deserve the extra time, Jason. You've been so insanely invaluable to the organization and like I said, every, every for the record for anyone listening, Jason is the kind of person where if I ask him to do something he'll say, oh, there's a Google Map for that and he'll come back with some I don't know what the word is cartological you know, nerd solution for everything that involves Google Maps and I have so much respect for that because A, I have no idea what he's talking about B, I lack the intellectual capacity to appreciate it and see, it. whatever he does, I know where I'm going.
3: Well, well one of my geography classmates is actually in the chat room. and Another friend of mine, um, is my geography classmate, and Paul is my pilot buddy. And they, they can tell you that I bombard them with maps incessantly, and it's quite ridiculous. And most people that know me know that I have an unhealthy fascination with maps, and I try to answer every question with maps. So it's...
2: Uh, now let's just see it's, if... It, if, if Jason can find his way between the hotel and the OMG conference next month. Oh, he's already mapped that. You have no idea. I, I
3: have you. already mapped it, actually, mm-hmm. and I've already <laughs> downloaded the maps onto Erica's droid so that we will know everywhere we're going, of course.
1: Fantastic. Well done. So you'll be like the OMG R2-D2. <laughs> exactly. There you go. All right. Well, Jason, thanks for coming on the show. We'd love to have you. Sarcoma thanks, is clearly Jason. a major issue, and uh, we'll see you real soon, buddy.
3: Oh, Thanks for having me, and uh, I'm
0: sure there are other guests. in will talk about it
1: you got him, man. Take care, bro. Take care, Jason. Be good. All righty.
0: Jason has a marriage proposal in the chat room.
2: He does from John Filbert?
0: I'm, not, I'm not sure who Guess 4715 is, but <laughs> uh, but but uh, they they're ready to put a ring on his finger.
1: I think well, it's Spicer. He's got I... Erica. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know it's fun. Erica's a survivor. He's a survivor. We met them on the radio show. They were in New York. They found out about us, and they're like, "Can we sit in on the show?" And that was all they needed. They drank our Kool-Aid, and they went back to Florida, and they're owning that state. I remember that, because I spent most of that show shooting rubber bands at Erica. Yes, you did. Yes, you, you did. You know,
0: I have to say, um, as great as this show is, I'm getting a little tired of talking to these kids who were like 15 and 20 years younger than me, who are so effing smart. <laughs>
1: <What>?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, but I
1: make up for it, because I'm older <laughs> and dumber. <laughs> Thank
0: God. I know. That's the reason to never cut your mic, Jack.
1: No, never, never. <laughs> But we have some some interesting news to talk about, obviously. Uh, Just a quick update to everybody, that the OMG Summit now has 365 people who have registered for it. We have a cap of 400. So if you are listening to the sound of my voice, and you are a young adult survivor or a young adult affected by cancer who would like to come to New York for a free conference, which I'm calling the All-Star Game of the Young Adult Universe, Go to omg2010.org and sign up today. We are running out of spots very quickly. We don't want anyone missing out on the chance to come and see the who's who from the young adult cancer community. And I can safely say we have six countries from around the world who have registered to come. And uh, this has become the hot commodity of the season. It's going to be killer, kick-ass, amazing. And we're having a cocktail party the night before. Yeah, and there's a big old giant crazy drinking party the night before, so just to even it out for the people out there. And so probably will be one the night of. Uh, well. well, there's no after-party planned, but I can pretty right. much guarantee someone's going somewhere with everyone else after that. There's a Google map for that. <laughs> <laughs> Malat's already <laughs> planned. It. It's done. But, uh, so, anyway, um, Lisa, did you get a chance to... Uh, Oh, yeah, I forgot. We have, we have two very special guests in the show, in our, in our uh, live uh, studio audience tonight. Uh, Shannon McCullen and Danielle Posa are in the studio tonight. They get a little round of applause here for thanking them for stopping by. Now, Danielle I met indirectly through Johnny Ehrman, who I understand she hasn't met, so that just speaks to his influence over people. And uh, Shannon apparently is on the payroll of the Buffards to be Jack's friend. So you guys, ladies, would like to say hello?
0: Hi. Yeah, hi, everybody. It's, it's good to be here and check out Stupid Cancer. Good stuff. So, the camera must be expanding to for, for taking on all of these friends at Jack's.
1: Yeah, it, it's we're going to start charging uh, <laughs> admission.
0: Yeah, that's... Uh...
1: Admission. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, at least I wanted to ask you, I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but the KFC... Buckets for the Cure, and again, I hate to give it this kind of attention because it doesn't deserve it, Yeah, has gotten so much national negative media attention this week, and um, there has yet to be an issue or a statement issued by Komen about it. What are your thoughts on that?
0: It's to be a, an issue Coman? Komen, yeah. Um, I don't know if, what are my thoughts about Komen issuing a statement or going back to the entire... Uh... Well, yeah, I mean, at what point that. do you
1: cross the line between cause and value, and is it at what point should Coleman specifically, you know, address all the negative media attention, or are they the, are they smart enough to know that any press is good press?
0: Probably the latter at this point. Um, then again, you know, it depends on uh, how direct you know the criticism is, but in this case, it's. I mean, it's all along the lines of what we've been saying in terms of how much does this really make sense. I don't know. I think I think it still has people talking about it, and probably in this day and age, any publicity is unfortunately, like you said, attention to what's going on, and it gets the name out there. And it's not, you know, the first time that some negative stuff has been thrown Coman's K- way. And uh, they're so big, uh, such an enormous organization with so much money behind them. Um, that they might just, you know, I just
2: want out. What do you what do you think, Maddie? Well, hold on, Lisa, before Matt says something, we just looked at the bucketsforthecause.com website.
0: Yeah. They've already
2: raised $1.6 million at well, 50 cents a bucket.
0: Oh, my well, God. So
2: that means that KFC's made, like, $15 million. Yeah. But the other yeah. thing is, you know, based on, you know, going with what you just said about, You know, raising awareness for Coleman and just by name recognition, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are like, well, I'm not going to go to KFC and buy a bucket of chicken, so I'll just give a dollar to Coleman on the side or through another means or whatever. So I'm sure they're still getting money out of it from people that aren't buying buckets of chicken, but at the same time, it looks like, you know, that $8.5 million
1: cat donation from KFC is going to happen. But my question is, where does it end? When does it become not okay? Pink Virginia Slim cigarettes. Yeah, to promote (laughs) unhealthy lifestyle habits to support a cause that is all about how unhealthy lifestyle habits cause cancer. Sure. Matt, let let me ask you a question. Help me reconcile this, God. Matt, let let me ask you a question. I
3: mean,
1: Jack. Let's
2: say Marlboro called you tomorrow, right, and said, you know, like the the CEO of Marlboro, whoever that is if he's still alive and talking through like a voice box or something. <laughs> but he says, "You know what? My 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 20-year-old college kid has Hodgkin's lymphoma, and you know, I saw what you guys are doing, and you know, my kid went to one of your stupid cancer
1: happy hours and blah blah. blah. Marlboro wants to give you 5 million dollars. Would you take it?" I would take it after doing a survey of our community and I would make sure that a percentage of the money that comes to us gets reallocated to smoking cessation programs in high schools. Okay, so you would take tobacco. But (laughs) No, no, the answer is yes, under very specific contingencies and upon approval of our constituency. Okay, now
2: that's just a straight donation. Now what if they said we want to put stupidcancer.com on the packs of cigarettes?
1: Right, right over the surgeon general's <laughs> warning. <laughs> right over the cover the warning up with stupid cancer, or um, or instead of uh, the, just change the surgeon general's warning to can, c- smoking cigarettes. Smoking cigarettes can cause stupid cancer. dot com, or a dollar from every ten dollar pack of cigarettes goes to the I two Y. No, I wouldn't foundation. accept that. That I would not accept. Nothing that promotes the sale of cigarettes. But again, I would, I would be. Yeah, I mean, yes, Five million is a lot of money. But I would not feel comfortable just randomly accepting it without doing like a national survey of all the organizations to see what we could do positively with that money to offset the fact that it's being given to us by shyster bastards.
2: You know what I didn't tell you Uh, when I came back from Georgia and I was in that smoky bar, like my first smoky bar in 10 years, and I lasted 10 minutes and got the hell out of there? Right. There was a cigarette company doing a promotion there that night. Really? Yeah, and this woman comes, like this girl, you know, like this scantily clad, like, you know, promo girl or whatever, comes up to me and goes, are you a smoker? And she had, like, her whole tray of, like, stuff where you, like, fill out a card and get, like, you know, some wacky tobacco or something. I don't know. And I was just like, "Um, no. So it's just, you know, the fact that I guess the states that still do allow smoking in bars, these tobacco companies tap into, and they do all the same promos that they've been doing, or that they did 15, 20 years ago. Yeah.
5: So
1: bad. Anyway, she we got out, we got to get to the news real quick. So let's let let's hear Jack uh uh babble through this stuff, and uh, we'll get to our Hello, first guest. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Okay, during this part of the stupid cancer show, we listen to Jack Bouchard stammer through a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of stuff might otherwise not know about and we don't want you missing out on free young adult special events like conferences happy hours retreats scholarships support groups music concerts and more if you have something coming up that you'd like to hear us talk about during this segment please send jack buffard an email his email address is jack at i2y.com that's jack at i2y.com take it away bro thank you matthew
2: here's your stupid cancer news First, start by heading over to events.i2y.com. Events.i2y.com is your one-stop shop for all stupid cancer events happening nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out, especially if I'm not going to be there. We have some upcoming happy hours in New York City, Philadelphia, and North Carolina. So head on over to events.i2y.com for all the information. Next up, we have Surviving Idol. Surviving Idol. Surviving Idol is an upcoming talent show for young adults affected by cancer. Show up your talent by entering your submission today at survivingidol.com. All right, folks. Being that I lack both the time and the intelligence to share with you all the great stuff we have going on for young adults, I've created the Boof News blog. Everyone needs to check out boofnews.i2y.com. That's B-O-O-F.i2y.com. It is the official list of all stupid... Cancer news resources, including surveys, exercise programs, writing workshops, peer services, and fertility resources. And speaking of peer services, Can't Make a Dream and First Ascents are both filling up their young adult calendars very quickly, so head on over to CampDream.org and firstdescent.org. There are still slots available, so don't miss out on those. And finally, to close the news. Everyone needs to head on over to 70k.org. That's the word 70, the letter K.org. There are approximately 70,000 people aged 15 to 39 diagnosed with cancer every year. For over two decades, there has been little or no improvement in survival for this age group. By signing this bill, you are supporting the Adolescent and Young Adult Cancer Bill of Rights to be established as a standard for care to meet this underserved population. And that, my friends, is your Stupid Cancer News.
5: All righty.
1: So now it's time for our first guest. All righty. Matthew Alsante is the executive director for the Sarcoma Foundation of America, an organization dedicated to increasing sarcoma research and finding new and better therapies for sarcoma patients. His responsibilities include growing the national scope of the organization. By creating SFA state chapters and increasing the national advocacy and fundraising efforts on behalf of sarcoma patients, the SFA has created a national sarcoma patient registry and has funded over 40 sarcoma research grants. He holds a degree in biology from Salisbury State State University. And is active with, that's where Jack went to school, and is active with many oh, patients. Oh, big back university. <laughs> <laughs> Originally from Syracuse, fan of Wegmans, he now resides in Maryland. Please welcome to the Stupid campus Show, Matthew Al-Sante.
5: Thank you for the wonderful introduction.
1: <laughs> hey, you wrote it. I just made it better.
0: <laughs> Salisbury and, steak. Does that mean, if, can we buy a lot of Hungry Man Salisbury steak meals and that'll go to Komen? Yes. All that,
5: yeah, like the KFC? Yeah, I actually uh, shook Frank Perdue's hand when I graduated from college. So <laughs> Did
1: that was,
5: you. That was interesting.
1: Did you shake the colonel's hand?
5: I didn't shake the colonel's hand. He wasn't available that He's day. he get a, a lot of
1: attention <laughs> these days. Was the colonel around, like, World War One or something? Yeah, he was, he was born in, like, 19 heart attack. What year was that?
5: I don't know. He <laughs> still does commercials, though.
1: Yes, so. he does. The Ghost of Christmas Past. Bad okay. stuff.
5: Can I just say I was cringing during uh, Jason's talk. How would you like to have cancer and have to go to six different doctors until they figure out what your cancer is and you're told things like it's a muscle spasm, you're just constipated? After seeing five doctors, and it's just—it's frustrating for sarcoma. That's why we stress go see a specialist. But
1: that's right, and that—but that's the plight of the young adult cancer patient. Is that you know doctors don't have sort of the symptom literacy to either take us seriously or appreciate that we do need to go see somebody, and are, they're not willing to admit they don't know what's wrong with you. All
5: right. Well, young adults don't get cancer. You of get course cancer not. when you're old.
1: You're yeah. too young for this. What? <laughs> What was so, it again? It was he got Fibercon for his butt. Right.
5: That is not a proven treatment for sarcoma. <laughs> I, I just...
1: And that's not how we got the name Beefy.
0: <laughs> so, Matthew, what's been your how did how did you end up as the director of the Sarcoma Foundation?
5: Um, it just sort of uh I, I was with the American Red Cross for most of my career and I was I was in the non-profit world and I lost my dad to cancer, so I wanted to Uh, work for a a nonprofit that focused on cancer research, and that's exactly what we do.
0: And can you give us, uh, so sarcoma, as we've been talking about it before when we talked with Jason, basically, is that right, it's connective tissue or bone?
5: Sure. It it can be very complicated. There's upwards of 100 different subtypes of sarcoma, but a a good way to sort of explain it is when, when you think of your body, Take away your skin and your major organs and what are you left with? Everything that holds you together, whether it's your bone, your muscle, your ligaments, your cartilage, your nerves, your blood vessels. If you get cancer in any of those places, then it's considered sarcoma, which it's kind of strange that it's not more common because it can really happen anywhere in your entire body. But uh, it's kind of lumped together known as your connective tissue.
0: But not in your blood. That would be a di- that would be more like the leukemias. Correct. Right. Correct. Okay. It'll
5: it'll transfer <laughs> to your lungs or your bones or your bloodstream. That's for sure. But not not cancer of the blood itself.
0: So when you get when because if so you can have a sarcoma say in your breast that's not breast cancer per se. That would be so that would be in a blood vessel. How would that manifest itself?
5: Correct. And any of like the the tissues inside your breast. It's actually it's. You hear different stats all the time, and that's one of the challenging things because they're, for such a rare cancer, there there isn't uh, good stats on it. But you, there's one percent or half of a percent of all breast cancer is sarcoma of the breast, and so that's a really really large number. So we would love for some of those millions and millions and millions that get donated to breast cancer, if they could focus just a little bit of it on sarcoma,
1: that'd be that'd be fantastic. But
0: sure. So, and, go ahead, Matt.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the the questions. obviously, this is a young adult show, sarcoma is like the, uh, I think it's the third most common uh, cancer in young, no, fourth. It's melanoma, thyroid, Hodgkin's, and then sarcomas. Yes. And then it it dubbed, it like bell curves down to like the mid-teens, uh, where it's very prevalent. My brother-in-law was diagnosed with Ewing's sarcoma. Yep. I, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about the differences between like a rhabdo and a Ewing's. Uh, what are the different types of sarcomas? What defines them? Are they genetic? Are they environmental? Do we even understand that yet?
5: <laughs> well, one thing I, I like to say, I'm, I'm not a physician myself, so I can't get too much into the science of it, but you, you hit the nail on the head. Osteosarcoma, Ewing sarcoma, rhabdomyosarcoma. Um, Ewing sarcoma is actually a, a different form of bone cancer. You hear uh, osteosarcoma or you hear bone cancer or rare cancer where, where it's actually starting from the bone, and, and rhabdomyosarcoma is uh, sarcoma of the uh, smooth muscle, I believe. But uh, As far as what causes it, where does it come from, that's one of the unfortunate things about sarcoma. Other than uh, Agent Orange over in Vietnam and some incredibly rare diseases, there really is no, no concrete evidence of anything that causes sarcoma. Um, and to go along with that, there's no early detection uh, methods. When when you look at cancers that have uh, the survival rate has gone gone way down because of all the research, a lot of it is done because now they have early detection methods. Um, so when you have a sarcoma and it starts out as that small lump and your doctor just says, don't worry about it, or it's in your deep tissue and you can't really feel it, and it's, it's causing a little pain, but usually those are just you know fatty tissues. You don't get it checked out, but... Uh, by the time a doctor either figures out what it is or you get to a sarcoma center, um, sometimes it's it's a lot harder to treat because it's already spread by them.
0: Is there a connection, and maybe this is also a a question for our doctors coming on next, but is there a connection between these tissues growing in adolescents or young adults and therefore these cancers occurring?
5: You know, it's... It's a big need of, of research in that area. Um, yeah. A lot of the research is done either on older patients and, or pediatric, real younger patients, so it's, it's kind of that, that age group that gets missed, and especially when you're talking about research, even though it's, it's number four in the uh, you know, the stupid cancer audience, yeah. the young adult audience,. Um, there's 12,000 to 15,000 new cases a year, so there's not a lot of money going to be going into uh, research because say you develop a whiz-bang drug for sarcoma. Well, sarcoma is made up of hundreds of different subtypes. What if it only helps one subtype or two subtypes? And maybe it's a few hundred a year or a few thousand. You're not going to make a lot of money, and it costs millions and millions of dollars to do that research. So that's one place where we actually try to fill a gap. Um, where we fund this early stage research where you can find out this little piece of evidence and hopefully that evidence will lead into bigger and better things where you get, you know, a pharmaceutical company or, you know, a university to take what was learned um, and, you know, add more money to it and eventually get it to clinical trials and bring it to patients.
0: Yeah. And how, um, for folks out there who are listening, a young adult, if you get a diagnosis of a type of sarcoma, how common is it that they'll be in an area where they will have doctors who will be able to address their particular diagnosis, or do they tend to have to travel to big cities or go elsewhere?
5: Yeah, that's that's a very very important question because in, in the sarcoma advocacy world, the first thing we tell patients. To do is to get to a sarcoma center. Um, The whole key is is being seen by a sarcoma specialist. And and when you say center, you're talking about a multidisciplinary center where the pathologist who can look at the slides and know what it is right away. You have the surgeon who's used to cutting the borders specifically for sarcoma. The radiologist, the oncologist, the whole medical team needs experience in dealing with that. So um, you want to get there right away. But uh, to specifically answer your question, there's not a, a lot of places in the country that's considered sarcoma centers. There's probably you know 15 or so that are considered sar- sarcoma centers, and I think Jason wasn't properly treated till he he got to to Gainesville there, and and there's a sarcoma center there, so it's lucky he got there. Uh, when he did but um, I always tell people go to our if I can give out our website it's curesarcoma.org and you can click on a link and it shows you places that are considered sarcoma centers uh, where you can seek out the proper treatment and even if they aren't directly near you they're they're so used to getting patients there for second opinions many times they can coordinate your care with your local oncologist and, and that's very important too and with a lot of sarcoma cases, if it is it too late for the, the first line or the second line treatment, at those sarcoma centers, there will be more opportunities for clinical trials and the, the newest and latest treatments. Um, so strongly recommend getting to a sarcoma center.
1: Okay. So I, I wanna, I, I'd like you to stay on the line with we'll bring on Dr. Gibbs. Uh, I think the two of you would have uh, sort of the yin and yang perspective of answers. And sure. I, I'd like to take this show long if we need to, because clearly there's a lot of questions in the audience from the listenership in the chat room. Um, and I'm personally intrigued with this, of course. My, my brother-in-law passed away from Ewing sarcoma after a seven-year battle. Yeah. So that he was diagnosed at 13 in the sacrum, and it kept going through his lung and back to the sacrum. And, you know, his case is not unique, but he went misdiagnosed for a very long time as well. So let's bring out Dr. Gibbs. Uh, he's going to get the, the big old music here. Okay, C. Parker Gibbs, Dr. C. Parker Gibbs, is the Associate Professor of Orthopedics at the University of Florida College of Medicine. He graduated from medical school at the University of Florida College of Medicine in 1989, part of the University of Colorado faculty from 1997 until he came to Florida because he was tired of snow. He completed his Orthopedic Surgery Residency at the University of Colorado and his Orthopedic Oncology Fellowship at the University of Chicago. Please welcome. Jason Malott's doctor, the one and only, Dr. C. Parker Gibbs. Wow. Dr. Gibbs.
2: We treat our guests well here. (laughs) Especially the ones that we rely
1: on to save our lives. Yes. (laughs) Hyperbole. It works great. It does. It does. It does. Thank you for being on the show. We really appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. You came highly recommended by Jason, which
4: is why we were considering not having you. (laughs) <laughs> His recommendations are worth what they probably cost you
1: <laughs> So again, I mean, you've been listening to this show for a little while I heard what Matt had to say, we're going to keep him on Because I think that this is a very, very uh, under-discussed cancer in, in the young adult space It is 15% of all uh, cancers in children And it is, I think it's 5% of all young adult cancers Which is still big numbers, Um the question that I asked Matt that he said I'm going to defer to a specialist, which is you, is can you explain the, uh, the the differentiation in the types of sarcomas that are out there and if there's been any study into the epidemiology of its cause?
4: Well, as, as Matt said, or, and, and by the way, Matt, uh, great segment. I enjoyed all of it. Great. Um, thanks,
2: Dr. Gibbs. Thanks for participating.
4: Dead on and, and, and really had a great time listening to it. So, the, as he said there are a whole bunch of different sarcomas and uh, no unfortunately we we don't know what causes them we know that there are a bunch of genetic mutations that are associated with them uh, and if you take Ewing sarcoma as an example has a very specific uh, genetic rearrangement of the chromosomes that is associated with the cancer and we think that's the cause of the cancer and then you know the most common one those is a a mix between chromosome 11 and 22, for anybody that's interested. But um, we, we don't know really what that does. It's kind of a marker for for the cancer, and there are a couple of the soft tissue sarcomas the same way, like synovial sarcoma. And then there are ones you know, like osteosarcoma, which is uh, probably the most is the most common bone sarcoma. And if you look at the genetics of that thing, it, it's uh, like somebody took your genes and put them into a blender. Uh, it's really screwed up. So we don't know um, what causes sarcoma. And as Matt said, it's you know beyond certain things like Agent Orange that are associated with it. Uh, we can't even begin to guess. We do know that uh, radiation occasionally can cause sarcomas, uh, kind of a necessary evil kind of thing in, in radiated uh, tissue. Um, But, unfortunately, I can't give you guys a real super answer about what causes them. Um, But we do know a little bit about how to grade them, which ones are going to behave badly just by what they look like under the microscope.
1: Well, can we get your two cents
4: on these barriers to more
1: prompt detection and young adults and teenagers who get this? Uh, How do you see, or is it possible to even envision, a reimagining of the medical education process to give, you know, family practitioners or community doctors the savvy or the wherewithal to appreciate that this is something that can and does happen to reduce the risk of, you know, getting, you know, fi- fibrool for this or rubber test for brain cancer. <laughs>
4: yeah, it, it's something, and again, Matt probably echoed this, he's heard this a thousand times. is, We preach this constantly. Uh, We run around the state and give give talks to local medical societies. And and as well, we constantly preach to the surgical community as well, which is not terribly conversant with this disease. Because you might imagine with the rarity of these tumors, uh, most lumps and bumps and joint pain and things like that are benign. 99.8% of them uh, turn out not to be anything. And so it takes a high, what we call, index of suspicion, and you've got to be thinking about it uh, to bring the diagnosis to your attention. So normally, uh, for bone sarcomas, I tell folks, specifically pediatricians and and internists, if if somebody comes back twice, more than once, complaining of pain, you ought to get an X-ray. Because almost all the bone sarcomas you can see very easily on X-ray. And in the soft tissue world, anything that grows deserves imaging, I think, um, and that's not going to sit well with the current healthcare care gurus because uh, I'll think I overutilize MRIs. But I think any lump that somebody comes and complains about that is getting bigger um, should be imaged. And then obviously those that show up that look like the size of baseballs to begin with ought to raise concern. Uh, but it's not rocket science. It's things that get bigger um, or hurt for a prolonged period of time need to be evaluated.
0: And what are the uh, what are the what are the the, the kind of range of uh, treatments for? And I mean, and there's, as you're saying, there's so many different kinds of sarcomas, but it's um, it typically can be ranged from surgery to a radiation to a chemotherapy to to what? Sure. Is there kind of a, a standard.
4: Don't I wish? Um, yeah. <laughs> the uh, no, unfortunately. So the, the the overall standard among all sarcomas is that. Uh, surgery is probably the first-line therapy. Um, in that, without surgery, most sarcomas, with the exception of ewings, and, and I'll address that in just a second, um, require surgery for cure. Uh, chemotherapy and radiation, either in combination or by them or either by themselves, will not affect a cure for a patient. They can make surgery easier. They can slow down the tumor. They can uh, perhaps spread uh, or halt the spread of the tumor, like uh, Matt was talking about it, spreading through the bloodstream to the lung. Uh, But as far as curing somebody of their primary tumor, it has to be cut out. And that applies to bone and soft tissue sarcomas. And I kind of break them down grossly into those two groups. If you take, uh, say, the bone sarcomas, um, and young adults get osteosarc, and they get Ewing sarcoma. Osteosarcoma is treated very effectively with a combination of multi-agent, pretty toxic chemotherapy combined with surgery. And then Ewing sarcoma is usually the same way unless it's um, like in your brother-in-law where it was in the sacrum or someplace awful where it's tough where you'd cause a lot of damage by operating on it. And then oftentimes we can treat it definitively with radiation and not use surgery.
0: Definitively with radiation and not use surgery, you said, Mm -hmm. yeah.
4: Right, and that is a matter of some controversy. And Matt might speak to that. I don't know what he's heard, but um, you get uh, the survival rates with radiation alone are slightly less than surgery. But if you're talking about removing part of your spine, you might take that chance.
0: Right, and we were talking Jason, who was on before, and he's mentioned again in the chat room that he was a rare case where he did not have surgery because of the location uh, of his tumor. Correct.
4: Yeah, right. I believe that was the case. Yeah. 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 So those are, you know, the radiation uh, at certain doses can be very effective. Uh, certain sarcomas are more sensitive. Like I said, so Ewing's is very sensitive. Uh, synovial sarcoma is very sensitive. But others aren't, like osteosarcoma is really fairly radio resistant. Uh, and we don't have the option of bailing to radiation therapy when the surgery is, is, is going to cause some damage.
1: So in a scenario where you know a uh, a tumor is removed and there's clean margins, is there a standard protocol to follow with chemotherapy afterwards, or is it one of those things where you know obviously I had a brain tumor, it was in my brain, they had to get it out and they had to radiate my brain. Uh, You have blood cancer, you clearly need chemotherapy. But if there's just something there and it looks good and it's gone, yeah, is it is it mandated to get chemo?
4: yeah <laughs> depends on the tumor. So if we take the prototypical chemotherapy treated sarcoma, which would be osteosarcoma uh, and ewings, uh, the the two bone sarcomas, uh, and and as just a, parenthetically, the soft tissue sarcomas generally are much more resistant to chemotherapy. Uh, but if you look at the bone sarcomas, uh, we give them upfront chemotherapy and then usually remove the tumor, and then we give them post-operative chemo. And the reason for that is, We think that about 80% of people that show up with an osteosarcoma or a Ewing sarcoma already have microscopic disease that is spread elsewhere. And so even if we get clean margins, we're depending on the chemotherapy to kill the microscopic disease that may be circulating in their blood or may have already landed in their lungs. And so that's the reason we do that. Got it, got it. It's interesting. It's very interesting.
1: And uh, in terms of, and maybe either one of you, Dr. Gibbs or Matt, uh, can address, like, what what type of cutting edge research is there in the field of sarcoma treatment? Or is it really just are there clinical trials out there for young adults? Um, and uh, like, are you looking into, you know, genomics? Is there molecular medicine out there that's moving in in the direction that would help young adults with this disease?
5: I can start and pass it off to Dr. Gibbs just to say one point. The field of sarcoma, and we make it sound, uh, you know, it's a little scary when you're first hearing about it, how, you know, the treatments we have, there hasn't been a lot of improvement, and there, you know, it has to be surgery. Drugs don't usually completely kill it. And today, compared to 10 years ago, 5 years ago, tenfold. there's a hundredfold more, research being done in the field of sarcoma it's still not anywhere near where it needs to be or or, you know compared to the more common cancers obviously but uh there's so much more on on the front um on the forefront uh, that we're learning with these um new targeted therapies these uh future drugs that don't have the side effects that chemotherapy has so maybe these these targeted therapies won't completely knock out your sarcoma but it will allow you to give a lower dose of the chemotherapy so you don't have to worry so much more about the side effects later in life which is such a huge issue in in this this age group so there's there definitely is uh the future is much brighter than it was even a few years ago there's still a lot of work to be done um but there's definitely uh, better drugs on the horizon and, and with that I'll, I'll turn it over to dr gibbs
4: Matt, I think that's a great statement because, you know, for the first time in a long time, we look at research being done and think, wow, maybe, you know, if we can keep people going for a couple of years, then there's going to be a real answer here. Um, so things that are happening now, as Matt kind of alluded to, targeted therapies, um, although not truly a sarcoma, there's this thing called a GI stromal tumor um, that uh, there was a drug called Gleevec, which is a, a targeted therapy against a receptor on a cell. And, uh, really knock that tumor down. Now it's kind of a temporary thing, but it had dramatic results, and it's one of the very good examples of, of targeted therapy. Other things, you know, that people are doing, um, looking not only at genomics, but now moving into proteomics and metabolism of tumors, where that you know was predated all the genetics, and now people are going back to altered metabolism of cancer. Uh, and if we can affect a change in how it uses glucose, for example, uh, maybe we can turn cancer into more of a chronic disease like diabetes is and, and maintain people on suppressive regimens. Maybe not cure it, but, you know, if you can live with your cancer for 50, 60 years, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's better than, than some of the stuff we've got now. I think some of the exciting stuff, only because it's coming out of my lab um, <laughs> is, shameless plug is you know, that cancer is heterogeneous within a single tumor. So not all cancer cells in the same person's tumor are the same. And I think that's a mistake we make in designing therapies is that we don't understand that of the b- bazillion cells in a single tumor, um, you know, you might have several thousand different types of cells that you have to account for in one way or another. And that's going to be tough, uh, but it's very enlightening in how we approach the, the, the treatment of the disease.
0: I like a doctor that says bazillion.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I,
4: I'm uh, an we,
2: orthopod. I use all sorts of things.
4: <laughs> Especially
2: when when talking of chances of survival.
4: Like you have a bazillion percent chance of surviving. <laughs> that's right. It's all so, about uh, optimism. Right.
0: <laughs> bazillion percent chance. That's good. We have a question in the chat room, and maybe you've uh, addressed this already, Dr. Gibbs, but were you talking more? Somebody is asking: Is there anything cutting edge for soft tissue sarcomas? Are you talking mainly about the bone sarcomas with 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 what you've just said, or is there? More no, I think I, I tried
4: to make that a little more yeah. broad. The soft tissue sarcomas are tough, uh, and Matt's seen a lot of proposals I'm sure come across his desk. But uh, most of the the promising stuff in soft tissue sarcomas are addressing those chromosomal translocations and the proteins those altered genes make and see if we can inhibit the function of those uh, tumor-associated proteins and therefore knock the cancer down because we think those tumor-associated proteins have a function. Um, But the problem is delivery and and getting those targeted therapies and getting those uh, protein and RNA inhibitors to where they need to go. So a lot of things with nanotechnology, uh, delivering agents to, to cancer cells uh, is going to be unlocking a, a lot of, of uh, treatment potential. We can kill a lot of cells in a dish, uh, but getting them to a tumor within a living person uh, accurately is going to be a huge challenge.
0: Yeah. Um, we've got some uh We've got some, and Matt, you're looking at this too, we've got some more questions. We want to get as many of our listener questions in there as possible from the chat room here. Uh, we've got folks asking about your opinion of vitamin B17 and also about thalidomide use. Are those things that you can address?
4: I addressed thalidomide a little bit. I don't know about the vitamin question. Matt, can you talk about that at all?
0: Uh,
5: vitamins are good for you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no,
5: but I, I got. I, I shouldn't say that because there's... there's... Just quickly, people who are taking, you know, away overdoses of certain vitamins, they can have adverse effects on the treatment that your doctor is prescribing. They can either, you know, promote things that you do not want promoted um, and can counteract the medications you're taking. So the big key with that is even if you are doing more of a homeopathic treatment regimen along with, you know, what your your doctor's telling you to do, make sure he or she is very aware of what you're doing because it can have adverse effects. Yeah, I
4: certainly echo that. And and the thalidomide question, you know, thalidomide came into broad use as an anti cancer agent uh several years ago, mostly with myeloma. Uh right. and it's kind of an anti angiogenic uh drug to be uh, somewhat superficial about it. I have not seen it used extensively in sarcoma unless they've been using it in some phase 2 trials. Yeah, kind of it, 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 curr-
5: it is currently in a phase 2 trial. I haven't seen or heard of any results or any yeah. patients reporting on it. I, I've just
4: seen it, it out is there. It certainly an attractive uh, drug uh, in that it functions kind of globally against the, the feeding the cancer kind of thing. Uh, but, again, I've not seen any results of those studies.
0: Right. So what can we say generally about quality of life for young adults who have a, who have a sarcoma in terms of, you know, carrying on with their life, side effects, how they, how they live with this day in and day out? And we've got listeners who know, but just in your, yeah. you know.
4: Yeah, I think, um, and Matt, let me know if I'm, you want to jump in here, but I, I think some of the advances we've made both in managing the side effects of chemotherapy and radiation Uh, which are significant, as well as lessening the magnitude of the surgery we have to do, um, has gone a long way to making that easier. I mean, 25 years ago, we amputated almost everybody that had an extremity sarcoma, and now 90% of those patients have what we call limb salvage surgery. Um, So they keep their extremities, which goes a long way to preserving body image and giving them a sense of, you know, I'm, I'm still a whole person here. Uh, now, certainly amputation is a very uh, reasonable alternative, and some of my happiest patients, quite honestly, have had amputations for uh, terribly large tumors. Um, but it's, it's you know, managing those new prosthetics for the amputation patients, better internal prosthetics for the limb salvage patients, um, and reconstructing soft tissue defects, at least from my world, have uh, gone a long way to making them feel like they're uh, they ha- they don't have a cancer disfigurement. And then managing, again, the side effects of chemotherapy has been huge with the new anti-nausea drugs, things like that. Um, Matt, would you want to jump in any more over there?
5: Yeah, just to add, uh, you touched on it earlier, just to be aware that um, from your treatment earlier in life, one of the more common occurrences of cancer later in life that can be caused from your earlier treatment is, is sarcoma. So it, it goes into what uh, was said earlier about, you know, don't ignore your lumps and bumps. You know, 99% of them are benign, but, you know, you want to, if they're causing any pain or growing, you just, you don't want to ignore them and you don't want your doctor uh, to ignore them either. So just to yeah, be aware of that. and,
4: and, and, and aside to that, you know, we talked about doctor delays of diagnosis for this thing because they aren't thinking about it. You know, patients show up with these things the size of footballs. Yeah. And and you're lying like, why didn't you come in? Uh, and we think you know people get afraid and they're in denial. And uh, but don't be afraid. We're you know we don't bite. Um, we're not terribly mean. So please come on in and talk to your doc if you've got something that's growing. It, it's important because it is infinitely easier to take care of cancer when it's small. It's again, it's, 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 it's paraphrase what I said earlier. It's not rocket science. If it's small, it's easier. If it's bigger, it's harder. It, um, yeah. You know,
0: no, I'm, excuse me. For the is there a foolproof way of sort of a doctor knowing that something is just a benign cyst on you? I mean, people kind of grow lumps and bumps, as you're talking about, and cysts all the time. You know, whether it's something on their scalp or something in their hand, or I mean, and and lots of folks walk around with them and say, "My doctor, check it, and it, it feels like a cyst, or it, you know, it just feels like a sort of fatty tissue." Um, is there really a way where you can just by the touch know for sure that something like that is fine and doesn't need to be touched, or should you really have everything removed?
4: <sighs> That's a very tough question. Um, uh, the last guy that could probably tell you that lived about uh, two thousand years ago. Um, I think that you know superficial subcutaneous lumps and bumps that are soft and squishy and smaller than a couple centimeters are almost always benign fatty tumors. Okay. But anything that grows, and, yeah. and I know I sound like a broken record, but anything that grows probably ought to be evaluated by an MRI, and an MRI can tell you definitively most often whether it's fat or whether it's something else. And if it's something else, then you need to have somebody to look at it that knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's the kind of a, a very short answer to your question. And then obviously anything that's big.
0: Uh, needs to be right, evaluated. right, right, okay,
1: well, clearly, this has been a very meaningful show to a lot of people, myself, included of course, you know, we mourn the loss of my brother in law uh for this disease, which does uh you know take even one is too many, but many, many thousands of young adults every year, and um, I thank you both for your absolute dire commitment and dedication to this one specific completely under recognized, undervoiced and you know, um underserved cause within the young adult community.
5: Great. Very welcome. Well
1: so, yeah, absolutely. Our pleasure. Well thank you very much for being thank on our show. Well. Um uh, to uh Matthew Alsante and Dr. Steve Parker Gibbs. Thank you, gentlemen. Take care. Thank you guys. So um that's uh That's our show today. It's a good show. It was a very good show. And I know my wife was listening very attentively. She's the expert in this. She spent seven years with my brother-in-law through his battle. And, um, you know, we learned a lot during the process. um, And uh, I keep saying a lot of ums because I'm kind of stumped. It's a very, you know, it's personal. It's very personal. It's a personal show for me. Well, we can tell. And, And Jess was contributing
2: a lot of good information in the chat room. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I want to thank her for that because a lot
1: of us were learning about this for the first time tonight. Yeah, we haven't done a sarcoma show. And how is she doing, speaking of your beautiful wife? Jess is 32 and a half weeks right now. Uh, There's, uh, you know, contingencies on the table right now that we could see parenthood hitting within 10 days, 3 weeks, or 4 weeks. So uh, she's healthy, she's happy. Uh, she's fantastic. She, Is she looks a- always happy. She's not always happy. Would you be happy if you were carrying a 13 pounds bowling ball in your stomach?
0: She's pretty darn happy, uh, all things considered. I gotta, I gotta give it to Jessica.
1: Yeah, she's on bed rest at home, and she, she had to go on sabbatical from her job, but she needs to, and she needs all the time she can to be with me. And I can't wait to get home tonight and see her, and take care of her, and do what I need to do to be a good dad.
0: At least no. on Facebook she seems happy. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the yeah.
1: pictures look great. <laughs> yeah. No, her pictures yeah. are always great. She's she's gorgeous. Uh, she's she's a woman, glowing. A woman who
0: a woman who pits, puts up with her husband taking that many belly shots of her. She, no,
1: she loves them. You see the she ones looks with throw away. She
0: looks, ama- <laughs> she looks amazing in all of them.
2: Yeah. Hey, Matt, I just want to say real quick, uh, our guest Matt just posted in the chat room that there is an educational conference on April 25th for sarcoma patients. And for more information, you can go to CureSarcoma.org. And
1: it's in New York. We're going to put it on the calendar. Okay, good. So we hope to get a nice turn. I think we're going to send some of our stuff to them. So if you're in New York City metro and you are you want to know about sarcoma, check out this conference on April 25th. This has been a good show. It was. All right. Good stuff.
0: Well. Once again, we always have to say, go get checked.
1: <laughs> right. All right. Check yourself.
0: Simple and, as uh, that.
1: And no more fibercon for butt cancer. And no buckets of chicken. No bucket. <laughs> no, no. No buckets of chicken for anyone listening to this show.
0: You know what, can I just say one more thing about that that I find so interesting? No, know,
1: good night. <laughs> I know, we have to go
0: to bed. We have to go to bed. But the funny thing is, Matt, you talk about, you know, coming and getting beat up. Everybody was applauding uh, KFC because what's that big greasy sandwich that they came out with that they took so much flack for? And oh, the, fact that uh, they the double stack.
1: The, the, is it the yeah. double stack? The double The double down. The do- no, that's blackjack. Right. No, no, it's called the double down. It's like yeah, I think chick- you're right. It's the two fried chicken pieces without bread in a. It in was. A- it was.
0: It was so horrifically saturated in crap that they actually got applause for for partnering with Komen. Uh, but anyway, but right. I digress. Time to go to sleep.
2: Yes, but I, you know, and I understand that side of it, but they have to sell seventeen million buckets of chicken at oh, no, eight ninety nine a pop to generate an $8.5 million dollar oh, no, donation. Somebody, so they're I'm, making I'm hundreds luck. of millions of dollars yeah. on something that causes breast cancer. Yes,
0: yeah. No, I'm I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent.
2: Uh, and that's what I think goes missing, is that people are like, oh, I'm going to go buy a bucket of chicken because I'm helping the cause.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, the cause of KFC stockholders. Right, Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, with that said, again, another great show. Thank you guys for being here, and now it's time for our closing sequence.
4: Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets.
1: You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, my goo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that's tonight's show. I hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. I'd like to thank our guests, Jason Mlotz. Sounds like a disease. Lot. I got lot. Jason Mlotz a lot. Beefy, Matthew Alsante from the Sarcoma Foundation of America, and Dr. We're C. Parker Gibbs, and our in-studio guests, Shannon McCullen and Daniel Posa. Next week's show, we tackle testicular cancer. In our Survivor Spotlight, April Kapil, young adult survivor of breast cancer and the author of Recipe for Lemonade. And in our two spots, musicians John Schrader and Michael Tiernan, both young adult testicular cancer survivors, singers, songwriters, composers, performers, and contributing artists to the I to Y Benefits CD, Volume 1. If you missed any of our previous shows check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com or just search for Stupid Cancer on the iTunes store for our podcasts. Remember, folks, it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week live from the chemo deck Jack Buford, Lisa Bernhard, Amanda Freeman, Captain Stimmy, and I wish you all a great week. Go to bed, Iowa. Parker out.